Hello, all, and welcome to the Fantasy and Sci-Fi Fanatics podcast. I'm your host, Dino Kubal. Today, I have me a very special guest, Ash Bishop. Ash, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Daniel. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you so much for being flexible. Like I was saying before we record, I it like it drives me nuts when I can't like get people on those days. And I'm a flexible person, but it's like my wife, she's like, you're so bad. She's like, you just want to like know what people know. <laughs> because you know i i I literally i talk to authors you know two or three a week but compared to all the other people i work with you know it's like i want to talk about writing all week and i can't until you know like the weekend or you know whatever when we could fit it in so i was so happy to get to speak with you i had somebody else i had to reschedule last night um due to family stuff and i was just like tried to go to my writing session it's not the same you know, because I do it after I talk to you guys. And I have right. to say, it's such, it's like I cheat. I swear to God, it's like cheating. Like I get right in there and I, I have so many ideas after talking to you guys. It's not even <laughs> funny. So I highly recommend people, you know, to, uh, if you like my stuff, eventually start your own podcast and talk to authors before you write, because you will never be without a good idea. I swear. <laughs> it's cool that it unlocks your imagination. Oh, I it really I does. Ideas weirdly uh, when I listen to audiobooks when I'm driving. So, oh, it's bad. That's, that's my cheat version. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm like it's bad. Yeah, I don't remember this long enough to uh, write it down. <laughs> yeah. Well, I tried doing the. My friend, I asked him, um, you know, because like we're having the baby in January, and he's like, "Oh yeah." I, um, I was like, "How do you write so much?" And he's like, "Yeah, the trick is." He goes, "I wait till my baby's sleeping, and even if they're in my arms, he goes, I just set my phone down. I do speech to text, like I'm all Spencer." And I'm like, "Okay." So I've been trying to find a good, you know, speech to text app, and I have not found one. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I was like, okay, so I thought about doing that in the car the other day. So I had Audible. I pull over the side of the road, like you were saying. And I was like, oh my gosh, uh, I was reading the first Galaxy's Edge book, and you know, the there's like it's like this military sci-fi fantasy. It's really good, and um, they're doing this thing, and I was like, oh, that's amazing. So I pulled over in the rain, and I like downloaded this couple speech to text, and then I start driving, and I tried doing it, but it kept like stopping me. <laughs> so I had to find a better way. But yeah, yeah it's I bad. I, yeah, if you find a good I, audio uh, book. I do the, uh, you know, Siri take a note and then I oh, try that's and a good idea. Yeah. Then I say it into the note. So when I arrive, I have like 12 messages or 12 <sighs> notes for myself. Of course they're jumbled, you know, like sometimes yeah, yeah. you can't quite figure out what. Yeah. You yeah. Like. What's uh, that name? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, that's, that tends to be how I do it, especially if it's such a good idea and I don't want to leave it to like the treachery of my memory. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Especially when you're driving, I feel like you have so many distractions and things, you know, you got to actually get to point a to point b sometimes right. yeah depending right. on where you're at yeah that's a good idea though i'm gonna I'm have to consider that my friend's always like yeah you should be using bixby as your assistant so maybe i'll actually just do that instead so that's actually a really good idea see yeah. i already learned something new from <laughs> ash so that's awesome <laughs> we'll go right to that first question my friend what has your writing journey been like up until this point oh my okay so this is a long answer so uh I got a Master of Fine Arts in Creative Writing uh, in 2001, and part of the uh, requirement for that was we had to write, I think, 95 pages of a thesis novel. Oh, and wow. So I got, I got out of college. I went to San Diego State. Um, I got out of there with about half a novel done, and it sat for a while. Um, I was trying to get a career going and, and you know, pay my rent. And uh, interestingly, it was when my wife got pregnant in 2003 that I started to like panic. I was like, wait a minute, uh, career is one thing, family's another, what about this writing stuff? Uh, and so I buckled down, I finished the novel, um, but it was ridiculous. It was um, really uh, self-indulgent. 
Um, it was about a guy who gets murdered and he wakes up in utero, like in the, the, the belly of his mom, he's reborn and he is, is actually born. And then he has to kind of solve his own murder as a toddler. Um, and, uh, Cool. It was super self-indulgent and just full of all the energy of like a young person, uh, meaning I was young. And uh, I had some luck with it. I didn't have any luck with agents, but they liked it. They all said, this is great. We just can't figure out like how to sell it. You know, like, what do you, where do you put baby solves, uh, you know, reborn baby solves own murder? Uh, which shelf does that go on? And I was like, all of them, <laughs> you know, put it on the mystery, <laughs> put it on the sci-fi, put it wherever you want. Uh, but nobody bought it. Nobody even wanted to sell it. Um, I couldn't get an agent. Uh, so I wrote another novel that didn't go anywhere. I wrote a third and it was a mystery novel. Also, my first three were all mysteries. And that one I actually found an agent for. I just buckled down and um, sent it to 120 different agents. You know, oh. uh, two of them were interested and signed with one. Um, but she couldn't sell it, uh, uh, to the publishers. I did get good responses. You know, if I, if my fragile ego had, ego had been crashed, crushed, <laughs> excuse me, at any of these moments, maybe I would have stopped. Uh, but I kept getting sort of good responses saying, you know, oh my gosh, we love this, but, um, you know, the market's not hot, uh, for this kind of novel. And I was like, huh, I'm starting to realize that I have to sort of carefully choose what I write. You know, I have to find out what people are interested in reading and buying. You know, I'd been going under that George Lucas principle of how he made Star Wars. He just made something he wanted to watch. Right. <laughs> and I had been following that principle and it was sort of not working for me uh, commercially. Um, and so at the time, Hunger Games was really popular. Um, uh, there was this that huge YA boom. Yeah. And I thought okay, I'm going to write a young adult sci-fi novel. And I did it and it was incredibly fun. And I immediately, pretty much immediately landed a, a, a high quality agent. Oh, that's um, cool. Um, yeah. And then of course she was unable <laughs> to sell it uh, because the market was now glutted because everyone was writing that novel. Yeah, so I was yeah. putting like all these lessons, right? You've got to write <laughs> to the market, but you've also got to not write to the market because that's what everyone's doing. And, you know, you're, you're probably going to be too late. Um, and so she said, well, I think the sci-fi market is going to be the next big thing. You know, she was absolutely right. It's so interesting. Uh, her timing was perfect, you know, with the Star Trek being released on Paramount Plus. Now, oh, cool. now she says there's all these um, uh, publishers kind of inquiring to her about adult sci-fi, you know, like, um, she she get she picked it right and uh so i wrote a, an adult sci-fi um and this is the one that sold and it's coming out september 6th so um my uh my experience was a really interesting one it took i guess if you count from 2021 when i first came out of college with that new novel it took more than 20 years um i wrote uh four novels um, uh, only one of which, two of which got an agent, one of which sold. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, the process of writing is, you must know, this is, is also the process of waiting. Yeah, <laughs> you, know, yeah. <laughs> you write it, you send it to agents, you wait for them to read it. They read it. They come back to you. They want changes. So then you write changes, you send it to them. 
you wait, they read it, they read the changes, they write back to you. So then maybe it sells if you're lucky. You send it to the publisher, they want changes. <laughs> wait, you you wait, they read it, they want changes, they send it back to you, you make your changes, send it to them, you wait. So anyway, uh, you know, I signed with the the good agent. Uh, well, I mean, both my agents are good, but I signed with the successful one. Um, I think I want to say like 2017. Mm. And now the book is coming out in 2022. So it's really an exercise in patience. If, if yeah. you want to take the traditional, you know, the traditional route. Yeah. Like, um, you know, I had Scott Drakeford on at the end of season one and he was saying the same thing. I had like three authors on that, like just got completely derailed um, because of the pandemic. <laughs> and he was one of them where literally like the book was basically done. And then, you know, they were going to, re- tour was going to release and then pandemic happened and they were going to release again. And, you know, something else happened. So they were bumping everybody else back, you know, so then that bumped him back. And yeah, right. so it was like, I, yeah, I, was, I like uh, what you said, it is a waiting game though. Like just in general, <laughs> I mean, cause he, even with indie though, you know, I mean, few, and I know people don't like to hear this. It's really just like, you just keep writing books. Like you said, you know, like, you know, fourth book, that seems to be like a magic number too. It's yeah. like, it's crazy. Like even people that, you know, um, you know, that oh, I'm going to blank, but I was just listening to a podcast where somebody was saying that, you know, where um, it's kind of like Adrian Ch- like Tchaikovsky, like where like he had written quite a few books and then he was like, Oh, I'm just going to be done. I'm going to try <laughs> this one more book. And then that was children of time, which, you know, very <laughs> successful. And, thank goodness that he didn't stop. Right. And I just, it's interesting because you, you know, you are, you're going to wait either way. And I think people forget that George R. R. Martin, you know, had to write quite a few books, you know, quite a few before Game of Thrones. So, but it's interesting that you mentioned that number. You're, I'm going to have to go back and look at notes, but you've got to be like the 30th author that have said (laughs) four, seriously, like it's, it's crazy. Like that's, I, I was just talking to my buddy about this. I said, that's my goal, you know, is like to, I'm actually saving books you know, I don't want um, Michael R. Fletcher and the, uh, the guys at Wizards Words and Words were talking about this, where they're like, don't, Mark's like, don't write your best book first. And <laughs> part of that, I'm like, I kind of agree with that, you know, because you're not quite ready. And it's just interesting. Like, you're like the 30th author I've talked to that, you know, has said, oh, my fourth book, you know, and third or third, third, third or fourth, I would say yeah. in particular. So it's, that's interesting. Well, I, I already, you know, having, now gone through the experience of publishing, you know, working with the editors and uh, doing all the commercial uh, um, selling of the book and um, uh, having my mom read it, you know, <laughs> all these things. <laughs> I like now I actually would be a different writer than I was when I wrote yeah. it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, totally. uh, I, I already feel like I wish I could make a bunch of changes. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, so when you're when you're writing that debut novel, you're really wandering around kind of in the darkness. I mean, yeah. the best thing you can do is is get as much um, advice as you can and take that yeah. advice. But yeah. at the same time, you you still haven't really learned the, the lessons yet um, until you're doing them. And uh, so you're kind of wandering around in the darkness and you're trying to figure out. Is this going to work? Is this going to work? If you have that artistic pride like I, I have, but I try and hide. You want to make your own decisions too. You know, you tend to kind of blunder through the advice, and instead are like, "No, I my impulse is this. (laughs) I'm going to do this." And then, you know, it's sometimes you look at that decision later, you're like, "Oh shoot!" (laughs) So, just depends. Yeah, but I I agree. Constant learning process. Constant. 
it's, it's just funny because I always I'm a martial artist I always liken it to writing the martial arts and like I just got um, another really early rank and like Jeet Kune Do I just started because my karate I had to take a break and um, it's a different summer schedule but it's interesting to me when I go into a new place now like like I know exactly how you have to act what you have to do you know and the things not to do and like the other day they were like oh yeah do this and I hadn't really done the like the thing before but I did something similar to it and it, it, I just took to it like a duck to water you know and I just can't help but thinking about it when I'm reflecting with writing the same way because I'm like oh you know it's it was a lot easier for me I'm about to be done with my first prequel novella tonight actually for the rough draft and I was like oh it's so much easier than you know granted it's shorter but still it was so much easier to come up with the plot the outline characters you know, than my first book, um, you know, which isn't done yet, but you know, it's just like, it's just, it is interesting, right? As you said, like you just get better as time goes on. So I can only imagine, you know, how you're going to feel, you know, with your next book, you know, you know, in particular, and, you know, some people I think for traditional publishing is like, maybe you're just not ready yet. You know, Brandon Sanderson is very famous for writing like, you know, 13 books before you actually fix one, you know, and then, you know, that like took everything off. So I just think, you you know mentioned patience and I think that's a you know a big part if you don't love it then why do it <laughs> yeah yeah no, yeah it really helps to be patient also really helps like you said to to like the craft like my favorite part of writing by far is writing you know yeah, I really it's like yeah I just you know uh I just absorb into the world I think I I think I must have some sort of attention deficit disorder you know not hyperactivity as my wife always says <laughs> uh but uh but definitely uh attention deficit disorder and you know that that's kind of um uh part of that um issue is <laughs> do you see what happened i just got distracted <laughs> uh, part of that issue is uh you can hyperfixate on things and yeah. so when i when i sort of get locked into that writing world i'm there you know yeah. i'm really experiencing the things that i'm typing uh in my imagination and when someone comes along and drags me out of it it's like, what are you doing? Let me give me back <laughs> waking up. Yeah. Yeah, ex yeah. yeah, exactly. It's exactly yeah. like, waking up. and so, um, uh, that experience of being in there, I mean, it's better to me than watching movies. It's better to me than oh. playing video games, reading comic books, all the other things that I love. I would much rather be crafting the universe of my own liking than experiencing someone else's. I appreciate yeah. uh, everyone else's contributions, but yeah. you know, mine is, is exactly to my sensibilities because I'm making it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I've liked it in the past to like playing Dungeons and Dragons by yourself, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. That's, that's true. That's kind of how it is, but not in, yeah. a, in, in a sad way. It's yeah, really, yeah. Uh, it's really fun. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. You said that I, I have so many great books that like I started, I started to stop buying physical books because at this point I'm just like, Oh, I like, as soon as I get done with this prequel novella tonight, I want to get to the second one. I really right. want to get to, the, you know what I mean? It's like, I, and I think you, you're totally right. And I, I felt guilty about that the last year, like, Oh, I'm not reading enough of my friend's books or this or that. And um, you know, but it's like, I just get so much more joy out of, you know, just, yeah, just writing my own. <laughs> you know, like, yep. My friend was like, yeah, to that first one, man, it's addicting. And he was definitely right. So <laughs> I, I totally understand where you're coming from there. I, I totally agree. <laughs> yeah. Super cool. Well, that actually is a perfect segue um, to your book. So do you mind telling us what your book Intergalactic Exterminators Inc. is about and how you came up with this idea? Sure. Yeah, sure. It's an awesome title, yeah. by the way. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah. I like the, uh, 
uh, the way the vowel sounds work together. Yeah. Um, so uh, uh, I started, um, as, I, as I think I told you, I wrote a YA sci-fi and I wanted to write a, uh, an adult one. And um, I got to just asking myself, you know, like, what kind of stories do I really like? Mm -hmm. And the stories that stick with me the most, like, it's still probably John McTiernan's Predator and uh, Rid Ridley Scott's Alien that stick mm. with me the most. You know, these stories of these kind of alien hunters um, who are, you know, out of their depth, uh, uh, totally sort of outmatched by the evolution of the other yeah. creature, uh, and uh, still kind of fighting, the, uh, doing their best, you know, usually in a squad type situation. And so I started with that, and then I really, really loved Andrew Sapowski's The Witcher, uh, the first mm. one, um, uh, The Last Wish, mm. um, because it was when I read that, I thought I'd found, you know, my new favorite author of all time, and um uh unfortunately he went from writing these episodic monster hunting stories and this is an un this is an unfortunate to everybody's you know a lot, I, I still love this stuff but at the very beginning he was writing these episodic monster hunting stories based on fables yeah and, and it was really cool reading these yeah, like, cool uh, these short story adventures where you know Geralt goes out and he tries to uh he tries to help a town, you know, it felt a little like the A-Team, you know, from the 80s. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he, tries so. to, he tries to help the town uh, by ridding them of their, of their monster infestation. And I thought to myself, you know, what's the sci-fi version of that? And, the, and those mm -hmm. two kind of loves came together, this, this notion of uh, let's set monster hunting in space. Um, and I got to thinking about it more and I started thinking, you know, well, what do we do with, uh, you know, how do we define a monster? Because once you're in space, it's like there's all these different planets and those planets have their own rules and their own ecosystems, their own careful balances, their own cultures. And I thought to myself, well, if I could have a monster or a creature leave one ecosystem and jump into the next, then it becomes a monster if that yeah. ecosystem can't support it. Yeah. I mean, the predator was just out hunting for fun. But if you think about the alien, you know, Ridley Scott's alien, he wanted to uh, have babies <laughs> and he just happened to need people to, to do that. Yeah. And uh, that was his sort of biology, but it's, or I guess I should say her, it was her biology, but um, it wasn't good for the people or, or the, you know, the system that they were in, especially if um, a creature like that had landed on, you know, earth or some heavily populated planet where, um, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of opportunity to have a lot of babies and the ecosystem is probably ultimately not going to be able to support the creature's needs. So anyway, my <laughs> book is about monsters who jump ecosystems can't, the ecosystems can't support them. And so what do you do? Well, the governing body sends in these, these uh, basically municipal teams of monster hunters uh, called exterminators. And they have to go in and and either relocate the creature back to its home planet or eliminate it, you know, depending on the level of danger. And so this could be a giant alien type creature. This could be a swarm of of insects. You know, uh, this could be later. I, I was playing with the idea of like mold. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it could be basically anything uh, that threatens the ecosystem of the of the new planet. Um, and so that's the direction I went. This notion that uh, uh, you're going to take a team of, of sort of blue collar municipal workers and their job 
and their everyday job is to stop the predator. Uh, and so, uh, and so that's, uh, that's how I decided. Oh, that's super cool. I, I just always like the, like, not that I don't dislike, you know, um, I'm trying not to say certain things now with people that I interviewed. Um, I, it's not that I dislike the super soldier or the, the superhero or whoever stories, but yeah. I do really enjoy sci-fi stories that could be true, if that makes sense. And I'm always thinking like, oh, like what is something that we have like exterminators that you would need if we went into space? Um, right. I really, I mean, I love the, I love Firefly, you know, where you're like, oh, that makes sense that like that would, that seems like it's feasible, you know? And, you know, yeah, they do extraordinary things, but they're just everyday people. And I think that's what really resonated with me with so many people. So I like your story being more like that, you know, like that type of fantasy, not the, the super soldier or whatever, yeah. you know, it's just, I feel like that's been done a lot. I want to, I want to see something that it could, you know, sit in fiction, but also, you know, mix into science fiction. Um, so to me, that's really interesting. Yeah. The, I really like the blue collar hero too. You know, you, yeah. um, the, the sort of the uh, Joseph Campbell, you know, heroic journey yeah. character, you know, called from birth to be great. That's been successful for literally thousands of years. Yep. But at the same time, we're, we're sort of tired of it, I think, you yeah. know, like uh, yeah. um, uh, in sci-fi, especially life can be cheap and, and the chosen one isn't, you know, he's, he's chosen to get a paycheck, not to save the world. And so uh, in a way, it's really fun. You know, I, yeah. I grew up watching ghost, a lot, Ghostbusters a lot. And I know they were technically scientists, but the fact that they, you know, put on those jumpsuits and they went out and they, uh, you know, did a job. And they came home, you know, literally covered in slime and <laughs> and uh, couldn't pay their bills. You know, uh, those kind of characters really resonate with me. I think they should resonate with most of the population because that's kind of capitalism. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And uh, they're the ones that I really like. For one thing, their future or their their destiny is not set. You know, anything can happen to them. Yeah. Uh, and that creates a lot of excitement, I think. Um and for another thing, they're, they're just sort of sympathetic because they're not all powerful. They're um, they're scrappy. And, yeah. and those are the kind of characters that I like the most. Yeah. Well, I just think it ends up making a better story because you're not like it's not as predictable. You're like, you're like, oh, they're not going to go and smash the big alien in the face. You know, they have to <laughs> come. Maybe they you know, like I'm just thinking of things, you know, as a writer standpoint, that to me just sounds really interesting because it sounds to me like you have really given yourself the ability for a lot of different conflict and a lot of issues to pop up, you know, like they think they're going to fight a swarm of insects, but all of a sudden it's a 50 foot tall Godzilla like creature or whatever in space or whatever, you know, it's like, that just seems like there's a lot of really cool world building you can do, you know, to establish, you know, a lot of Stargate SG one stuff, but in a very fresh way, rather than just a whole another team going to discover this item or this alien tech, you know, or, you know, not right. that those stories aren't great, but well, and if those stargates are cheap enough and commercially available, like mm. creatures are going to jump ecosystems. You know, you're going to yeah. have a lot of uh, kind of uh, accidental relocation. It's like uh, the bubonic plague of space, right? Like they didn't know the rats were traveling from place to place. I feel like it. Right. I feel like it makes total sense. I read one guy's book where it was like that, where there were like these, um, you know, like termite like creatures that from one planet and then they got onto a ship and but they eat metal so then they go and they had never you know encountered these before and all of a sudden it was like you know it was 
they're just eating everything alive, you know, and they had to figure out, you know, what to do. And I was like, oh my God, I was like, that, I was like, that literally makes so much sense. You know, as a history teacher, I'm like, that's exactly what happened with the plague, you know? And you're like, how do you combat that kind of thing? You know, yeah, emergent, it's emergent technology. It's going to create yeah. problems. Yeah. Lots of yeah. Problems. Yeah. It's very, uh, I mean, very interesting. Even Superman in a way, if he hadn't adopted our values mm. uh, would have been like a really dangerous. Yeah. No, it's true. <laughs> you know, same sort of yeah. thing. That like, what was it? The movie Red Sun or something like that? Um, oh yeah, they did. did. That whole they thing. Did yeah. I didn't watch it, but they did. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I didn't either. I was just like, eh, if it was somebody else, I probably would have like a like that type of idea. But I didn't want them to ruin my original <laughs> superhero. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> it was, was an interesting my, idea, though. But that was my underuse of choice as well. Yeah. 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 Partially because yeah. of the black hair. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. My mom, she just said that day. She's like, "You come get all the Superman stuff." I was like, "Uh." <laughs> I was like, I have a baby on the way. I was like, you guys have so much more extra, like extra just, room than I do. <laughs> just hold it for a few more months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's like, I'm going to donate because I actually went to uh, the Superhero Museum in Indianapolis. So that was really cool. They had the guy had so much Batman and Superman stuff. And I think they unfortunately closed. And then they gave it to another guy in the Midwest. I think he took like all the Superman stuff from that guy. Now he's got like the biggest one, like the United States or whatever, but, but it was really cool. But she like found something I had bought there and it was just so cool. It was like Superman museum, like superhero museum, 2000 and whatever the year was like 10 or whatever. Uh, so it was really cool. But I was like, yeah, I was like, don't get rid of it. <laughs> like I still want it. <laughs> so I'm going to buy a storage facility for Christmas. I was like, that's fair. <laughs> Well, that's awesome. I'm actually really curious with that third question. So would you say that like your past gamer self has helped to shape this type of like type of style or the type of stories that you like to write? For sure. For sure. Yeah. I, I had an old colleague who called me a uh, student of the world because he couldn't figure out like what I liked because my interests were so eclectic. You know, I read mm. a lot of, I read a lot of manga. I read a lot of, um, lately I've been reading a lot of French comic books. Um, mm, interesting. I, uh, yeah, I um, I love movies, you know, I love books uh, like crazy um, uh, and I love video games. And so all of these things inevitably, you know, like the like I said, the jumpsuits on my characters that came right from Ghostbusters and oh, and cool. my other influences like video games are absolutely going to feed into my subconscious, you know, and yeah, yeah. add some stuff. So I actually have <laughs> it's a funny story. I've got an alien race called the Nurians. And that came from, I wanted their home planet to be New Nauru, mm. like, like G-N-U, uh, you know, with the silent G. Yeah. Um, uh, and as I was writing it, I was like, well, I guess if they're from New Nauru, they, they should be called Nurians. But that name sounds so familiar to me. <laughs> and <laughs> I recommended my daughter when Mass Effect Legendary came out, I recommended my daughter uh, play it. And she's playing it. And she's like, oh, man, I really love the Turians. And I was like. Turians? Uh-oh. <laughs> so, yeah, um, for sure, everything is kind of a, uh, a hodgepodge in my subconscious, and it's and it's coming out in all these ways. You know, my sister read my book, and she was like, well, you know, I recognized like a hundred of your influences because she grew up with me, and she remembers all the stuff we experienced when we were kids. Yeah. And uh, so for her, reading it was very different than maybe it would be for a stranger, but um uh there's no doubt that the video games have an influence i'm a huge magic the gathering player i oh. just love it and uh um it's harder for something like that to seep its way in but 
the the art is so creative the oh it's uh, so good it's yeah, so good that the, influenced the, my characterization so much like you know yeah. just yeah the, the magic in my head you know i would say right. you know those they, they just do such a great job i mean just yep. beautiful art it's really hard for that not to be a part of your magic yeah. you know uh especially when you're creating monsters yeah um and so yeah i've got a i've got like an index of of monsters in the back of my book and and you know, oh, cool. dream, dream situation would be for them to find their way into Magic the Gathering because oh, it be gave cool. me so much, you know. That would so. be really cool. I mean, I feel like they're doing, doing more, you know, there's so many different worlds now where they have the steampunk, you know, fantasy version, you know, and yeah. um, I thought that they, did, did they not do, I mean, they were doing like the Forgotten Realms. I thought somebody said that they, I don't think they did it yet, but I know somebody was talking about that they were rumored to be doing Star Wars at some point. Um, oh, so I, I was like, know. I was like, oh, that'd be cool. Cause you got the fantasy and then you got the, you know, the sci-fi fantasy. Yeah. I said, now what's to stop them from, you know, doing like a, a Warhammer version and, you know, or something like that. You know, I was like, I just would love to see, I, that, that, that their art literally got me. I wasn't super into the game back in the day, but their art got me. And I was, I wanted to be a like fantasy illustrator so bad, <laughs> like yeah. so bad. And then yeah. I started getting in and I was like, oh, actually, I actually like the writing more. <laughs> I was like, I just like to <laughs> look at the art. Uh, not that I don't love doing art, but I was like, oh yeah, this is not what I thought it was. It's so hard to do both, but you know, yeah. One of the first things I did when I sold my book was I found all my favorite magic um, author or uh, artists, excuse me. And I emailed them and I said, hey, you know, how would you feel about doing a, you know, a, a, a cover for me? And they all came back. I'm too busy, uh, <laughs> which was a shame. I mean, I'm yeah. sure it saved, me, it saved me a lot of money. Yeah, but, uh, but yeah, uh, I'm a I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of the game dynamic. I'm a big fan of the um, the art and and the appearance of everything. Yeah, I'm excited to have a, a kid of my own because yeah. like now it gives me an excuse to buy all them that stuff and then play with them. <laughs> so <laughs> I know? have a I have a really funny story. Uh, I had a babysitter over uh, when my kids were still young. My kids were like uh, four and six, and the babysitter found all my Magic Gathering cards, and she was like. Holy cow! My my friends loved this game. You know, once they got to middle school, they stopped playing. And she thought for a minute, and she was like, "Wait a minute, your kids are a little too young for this, aren't they?" And I was like, uh, "I was like, yes, those are mine. I didn't stop playing in middle school." Uh, so anyway, it's uh, friend taught his four year old, so I don't know. <laughs> he kicked, yeah, they've got to be able to, man. <laughs> be able to read. I mean, unless yeah. they want to memorize. Uh, yeah. But yeah, That's anyway. Awesome. That was that was pretty funny. Uh, it is a it, being a parent is a really good excuse to indulge all your favorite uh, nerdy stuff again. Yeah, I, mean, I never really stops. Yeah, I was just so excited that my older nephews he just turned four, and I was like four and a half. But like he's really into Sonic. Um, he always tells us to call him Eggman, <laughs> and Jim Carrey just like. So he's just, I'm like, you don't want to be Sonic. He's like, I'm Eggman. <laughs> I was like so adamant about it. And like, he went to swimming and they were like so adamant about it. They're like, okay, have a good day, Eggman. He's like, bye. <laughs> My mom was like, that was so cool that they didn't like try to be like, no, you're, you know, your name. Like, no, you're, yeah, you're Eggman. Like it was no big deal. But yeah, I got him a, a Sonic the Hedgehog from Build-A-Bear with the shoes. And the lady goes, do you want the shoes too? And the ring, I was like, 
what am I, a chump? I was like, it's Sonic. Like, give me the works. I was like, it's for a kid for Christmas. I was like, I've been waiting six months already for this kid to open up this gift. I basically got it like in February. <laughs> but I was like, oh, no, the movie comes out, you know, in October, or, uh, you know, in like June or whatever, whatever it was, May or whatever. And I was like, oh, I don't know if he's going to like it till then. My bro's like, yeah, he watches it like Sonic 2 like three times a day. So I was like, OK, I think we're good. But he's really into Spider-Man now, too, which is like, like warms my heart so i'm hoping that we can get him into some other things <laughs> I, nice. I seasoned my brother because my brother um after a certain point in middle school he was one of those guys and he didn't like that stuff so i'm teasing him all the time i'm like yeah i'm gonna turn your kid into a nerd athlete like i was and you're gonna hate it you're gonna be like oh and he loves all the toys that i left at my mom and dad's and stuff so i'm really excited to get him into star wars and different things but i was like i was teasing my brother i was like i'm gonna get him to like books too my brother after harry potter was kind of done <laughs> yeah it's really fun oh that's awesome well that's super cool yeah. I totally understand about the art too. There's certain people where I'm like, oh my God, like old Forgotten Realms, like artists and stuff where I'm like, yeah, if I ever win the lotto, I'm like, I'm going to get you to do my book cover. It's so incredible. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't understand how it's not more celebrated to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is kind of crazy. Like, you know, I had a, I have a critical role art book. I have a D and D art book, probably two or three Conan I do not have a magic gathering. I just saw one recently, but it was more of a, a world's one. And I wanted more of like a character one or right. monsters or something, you know? So yeah, I'm kind of surprised. I don't, I look for them too. Cause I love art and you know, the writing and I like to see, I like to study. I had like, I think I have like four star Wars ones uh, with George Lucas and stuff. You know, I love the concept art. It always gives me you know really good ideas. And I like to see how people, you know, especially Matt Mercer, like created this world, you know, of critical role. And to me, that just helps as a writer. And I'm kind of surprised I haven't seen more Magic the Gathering ones, to be quite honest, because out of anything I could think of other than d and I mean, that's going to be, you know, your yeah. most iconic, like the, the, those two and Warhammer, you know, in Star Wars. So yeah, yeah that's kind of interesting. The, uh, the main uh, consumer world catches up with us nerds eventually. You know what I mean? No, it's like, true. Uh, like I, I, uh, this sounds silly, to, peevish to say, but I was loving The Witcher, you know, well before uh, the game mm -hmm. and the, and the uh, Netflix series. Yeah. And now that it's here, it's like I, I say, you know, I love The Witcher. It's like, well, of course you do. We all do. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I, <clears throat> I think they'll catch. I think they'll catch Magic the Gathering at some point. Yeah. Well, that's like just recently, you know, with Neil Gaiman with Sandman. I'm so excited. I didn't realize that was out yesterday. So I right. saw it and I was like. Oh, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. I told myself, I was like, I got to finish my draft first because otherwise <laughs> I'm, you know, it's not yeah. going to happen. And then I'm going to want to write something else like he did or whatever. I'm, right. I'm influenced very greatly by things that I watch and read. So I try to kind of zone myself out and then reward myself yeah. after. But yeah, yeah, I put, I put the uh, graphic novel of the game of you on my daughter's uh, uh, bed a while back. Yeah. And she just put her, she put her, uh, her drink on it and then the water spilled through and ruined it. And I was like, oh. dang it. But <laughs> she, and she never read it. So oh. I'm, I'm taking this opportunity uh, with the TV show. I'm going to try and watch oh, it with her and cool. see if I can let her catch the fever there because yeah. the story is so good. Yeah. yeah I, we, we had it for a philosophy class. I was like so surprised and we just read a few of the, you know, like he, my professor, just um you know like took some of his comic and just made like you know extra copies of panels and stuff so we didn't get through like the whole first graphic novel but there were particular things that you know he pointed out that we started talking about and it was really cool to my, right. my mom's like 
you should be doing work. I'm like, no, I am. I'm doing homework. <laughs> that really threw her off. But yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of yeah, Neil Gaiman and just world building, I mean, his was obviously amazing. Uh, but what type of process do you use when it comes to your world building and your character development? That's a that's a really interesting question. So, you know, you mentioned George R. R. Martin earlier and Neil Gaiman's about this too. The the planning they must have done in advance is you know just breathtaking i mean neil gaiman dropping these kind of um moments into earlier issues that weren't going to pay off for literally years um (laughs) is is so incredible and i can't do that (laughs) i really want to uh but i can't i it might be the add it might just be a general lack of discipline but um, I write a plot outline and then immediately diverge from it. And the reason is because I'm telling the story as I'm writing it in my head, you know, like I'm, I'm actually experiencing the story as I'm yeah, writing yeah. it. Yeah. And um, sometimes characters that you want to go a certain way, you really want them to do something. They just won't do it. Um, I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and they won't do it because it's just not in their nature and you didn't mm. realize it. Um, and if they try, if you try and force them to do it, they're going to, it's going to feel uh, not genuine, uh, inauthentic. Um, and so they go in a different direction and the plot has to go in a different direction. And suddenly they're off world somewhere else that you didn't sort of expect them to be um, encountering characters you didn't expect them to encounter because they made a, dis- a different decision than you wanted them to. That's going to make some people think I'm a, I'm a madman because I'm the writer. You know what I mean? Like they have to do what I want them to do. But uh, that hasn't been the case with my writing. I tend to let the characters, as they've been established, dictate uh, what they're doing in certain circumstances. So I know I know that the alien creature is going to crash onto the planet. I know that the boss is going to want them to do things a certain way. I know that the equipment isn't going to fully work uh, because everybody's kind of poor, you know, and this is a cheap operation. But I don't know what else is going to happen. And... Uh, and the only way you can do that and not seem like you're totally flying by the seat of your pants is you have to leave yourself some unanswered questions. And the reason you do that is because so when you're writing the sequel, you can answer those questions. And it yeah. sounds like you laid it all out in advance, <laughs> even <laughs> though you totally did. Uh, and so um, I think my mind's pretty good at fitting the pieces together. And again, this tends to happen when I'm driving. But, uh, oh, this is why that character did this. Oh, this is what this is why they so desperately wanted that uh, object. Um, and so um, the world building, interestingly, at least the plotting, it happens as I write. You know, there's a loose plot. Um, and this drives my agent crazy because she <laughs> will, appro- will approve of the plot in advance. And she's like, oh, this is a really strong plot. You know, this is great. You're, you're, this is going to be really great. And then it shows up. She's like, who the hell are these people? <laughs> uh, and so, you know, it, it works in a way against me to, to do it the way I do it. But at the same time, um, that's how life works, too. You know what yeah, I mean? That's true, so life, yeah. life kind of unfolds in front of us as we go along. And things that, things that we think are going to happen don't happen. And things that we think would never happen, happen. And... Uh, and there's an authenticity to our response to that and to our adaptation to that, that I really want in my novels. Um, and so as far as plot goes, you know, I plot it and then I immediately, uh, you know, break all of my own rules. Um, as far as world building goes, uh, 
that's just, I think, from my imagination, you know, um, uh, that's from all the influences that we talked about. That's from, uh, you know, wondering what would happen if you take Stargate and add in Alien and uh, throw in some Ghostbusters to, to clean it all up. Uh, uh, that's just, you know, the the amalgam of all of my years of experiencing uh, pop culture and and the things that I've always loved and throwing them all together. I mean, there's a um, there's a trainer in my book uh, who he has to, in order to be an exterminator, you have to get certified. Um, you know, you, there's all these like licensing requirements. It's really this kind of late stage capitalism world. Um, That's good and, world building though. Yeah, yeah. It's well, something yeah. that people can connect with now for your future. Right. So that's a, that's a nice, easy one. <laughs> Red tape, <laughs> right? Bureaucracy. <laughs> right. Um, so this so this trainer arrives and he's actually a fish. Uh, he's most comfortable in the water, uh, but he but he's disguised as human. So he comes to Earth and he's training the two main characters on how to um, fight it, fight uh, alien threats. And it is absolutely straight out of an old manga I read in like middle school or high school called Ranma One Half, where uh, the main character's father would turn into a panda bear when he got wet. Uh, when you know water touched him, he'd transform into a panda. He was cursed. Um, and uh, I'm reading my own writing, going, "Huh, that is so familiar." Again, just like the Nurian. <laughs> And uh, and I realized I finally made the connection. That's from when I was in high school or junior high reading manga, you know, like early, early manga. Um, and uh, it just lodged in there and it just came out as I was writing. So I would say the the process of world building for me has just been the process of being alive uh, for all these years and absorbing <laughs> all of these like fantastical things and, and kind of holding on to them because I loved them and because I care because I cared about them. That's really cool. I just always think it's cool with writing where, you know, you say like you got that idea and yours seems to be, you know, somewhat similar with the roots, but becomes far different. And that's like kids the other day in my class were talking and they're like, why do you like that so much? I'm like, and I'm like, it's just cool. Cause I said, you can literally take seeds from someone else's idea. Cause we're talking about cultural diffusion and I'm yeah. like, writing is literally just cultural diffusion in a nutshell, you know? Yeah. And it's so cool to see that like, you know, we don't have a lot of letters, <laughs> you know, in the English alphabet. You know, and compared to like Mandarin, you know, with 10,000 or whatever characters, um, you know, it's like, it's crazy to think of that, you know, you and I, I, I want to do this actually as a world building exercise. Um, and I want to do this with an author sometime too, like indie author or just someone to do an indie book with me where you and I get the basis of the same world building book <laughs> and characters and right. write a different story. And right. I just think, even if it's a short story, I just think that would be the coolest way to show that you know, everybody has a unique point of view, you know, and we're all going to tell a different story. It's that constant game of telephone. And that's all right. writing is, I think. And it's just, it's interesting, but. There was a pretty neat um, uh, fantasy series in the nineties like that. They, you know, it was basically, um, they took a town, they called the town sanctuary. I'm, I'm drawing a blank on what the, what the. so familiar. Yeah. I'm drawing a blank on what the series was actually called, but they would just have all the leading uh, fantasy authors of the era sort of put a character in this town uh and, sounds so uh, familiar i know what you're talking about <laughs> yeah i'm bugging. sure you know if we only had the internet we could look it up yeah uh, but i'm sure that uh uh we could figure it out or someone listening knows and is chastising us silently for not remembering but anyway uh it was so much fun you know you would read it and you would think to yourself i love this character i love 
this character, but I'm, oh, I'm so bored by this author's stories, you know, uh, because <laughs> everybody's got different sensibilities and some of them match well with yours and some of them don't, you know, but it, it was a really fun exercise. Yeah, that would be really interesting. I'm going to have to look that up now. I was just listening to another podcast where they were discussing that, actually. So that's actually that right? partly where I got the idea from. Yeah, so now <laughs> I listen to too many podcasts and so I have to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm looking it up, but I don't even know where to, I don't even know where to start. That was like something else I was looking up yesterday for like an 80s movie. I was, I remember what it was. was (laughs) I actually played, this is funny, but I played a MMR, what were they called? Massive multiplayer online world in college that took place in this world. Um, uh, And so someone was a big enough fan of that uh, uh, book series that they created like a online text base only but oh, you know, cool. uh, online world and you'd, yeah, you'd connect to the internet and then, um, you know, grab your sword and, and go marching around sanctuary and all the, uh, oh, surrounding cool. areas. Yeah. That's it was cool. extremely fun. It was like very early world of Warcraft. Yeah. I had to explain to a kid how, why I did my homework in college <laughs> before playing guild wars. <laughs> they're like, wait, how many classes do you have? I said like four. And they're like, well, what do you mean? I was like, my parents had dial up. I was like, I would come home and I was like, I would literally, I, I used to have to do, well, I guess it, that one had to update, right? Have all the patches and everything. And that was one of the first games I ever had that had to update. So you would hear for two hours, I would put the volume down. Otherwise you hear for like two hours straight. Um, yeah, but it would, I would get out, it would update. I would do my homework. I'd eat, I'd shower, I'd do my homework. I'd come downstairs by 10 o'clock. I'd play for like an hour. Yep. <laughs> and then I go back, yep. you know, to sleep, do the same thing like the next day. And I was, was talking very... about Diablo 2 with them. And I was like, Yeah, you'd be in the middle of killing Diablo, and then your connection, you know, would cut out. <laughs> and then you'd have to, like, you know, spend 45 minutes, um, you know, trying to reconnect to the internet. And you would, and then spend another like 35 minutes with dial up. I said, Then you go back and your body's gone because someone took all of your stuff. So <laughs> they're like, they were looking at me like I was crazy. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's a lot different than today. <laughs> there's, a, there's a very good chance I'd have six or seven books for, for World of Warcraft, you know, like very <laughs> good fair. chance. Uh, uh, mine, mine's like Oblivion, Skyrim and Morrowind. So yeah, Fable would be another one. So yeah, I understand. Yep. <laughs> yep. Very good well, stuff. I was curious at how many books like you currently plan, um, you know, in terms of, um, you know, just like it, I got in trouble the other day. I called someone's a series. They're like, it's a duology. It's like, I'm so sorry. I was like, well, it was a really good idea. I would do a series, at least a trilogy. <laughs> I'm greedy like that when it comes to adding world building and stuff in. But Well, one of the neat things about the approach, like the non-chosen one approach is the story's not exactly on an arc. Like their job's not going to end, you know. Uh, I like that. It's like a Jim Butcher thing. Like he's got different cases, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, um, you know, just like I've got to wake up on Monday and go to work. Like they <laughs> have to too. Uh, and, uh, and that's, uh, and, and therefore I haven't really been limiting myself to thinking, you know, like let's make this part of a single series of trilogies or what have you. Um, now in the world, there's a lot of different municipal uh, organizations. Like, oh, that's he, cool. Yeah, my main character is part of the exterminators, but there's also garbage collectors. You know, they mm. when there's space salvage out there, um, and maybe it's floating too close to the uh, the the uh, highways. The intergalactic highways are called Dexadrive lanes, and they they sort of move ships from planet to planet. And so, mm. 
if you've got salvage, you know, getting too close to the valves on the dex drive lanes, you know, you've got to go out and and uh, shred up the salvage and compact it and and take it to the dump. And uh, uh, so we've got these trash collectors. Uh, we've got um, you know instant response, which would be people like the the police. Mm. Um, and so oh, we have all of these different kind of um, uh, jobs in space, and they're all municipal kind of blue collar jobs. And uh, my agent wanted me immediately to sort of go to the next job, like have my character go from being an exterminator to to something else in book two. Mm. Um, and uh, I, I somewhat indulged her with that. Um, he's going to get suspended from his exterminator squad, mm. uh, but I'm not done telling the exterminator story. So um, uh, book two is going to be a temporary visit to a different municipal position and then he'll be oh, back exterminating cool. again. Uh, but with that flexibility, there isn't an ending, you know, the, um, the characters, yeah. a, you know, their story eventually will be told, but I think the story of these jobs and these people doing these jobs, um, can, can go on and on, uh, certainly beyond three books. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. I, I like that because like, I had this one guy in mind who's like a CSI, um, it's like a gas lamp. I picture it as like a gas lamp, you know, fantasy and he's like a csi investigator but he's also a fire elementalist so he's basically you know like an arson investigator and stuff um and i just i like that like same thing like type of municipal job mixed with a little magic uh but yeah that's i have a mining crew that i really like that's like my firefly (laughs) mining crew and i was just like thinking of all the things that could go wrong or you know just fun things and it's yeah yeah, i like that that's really cool though because you could literally like do you know exterminator series you could do you know like you said like first responders or whatever like in space like that would be it'd be yeah. cool for you to have like three or four you know different municipal jobs all within like the same world yeah right. that'd be that'd be really right. neat. Yeah, yeah if you, I, I don't know if you remember clerks or if you saw clerks um yeah yeah there's that long part when uh dante and randall are talking about you know all the innocent people that died uh in the second star wars when the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when the uh uh death star was destroyed you know like yeah. all, the, all the independent contractors and like they're just trying to make a living get back to their families like yeah. to me those people that story you know like let's oh crap we got to work for the empire again you know build <laughs> another death star uh, uh i hope they I hope the paycheck clears this time yeah. uh those you know they probably are... didn't get life insurance so yeah. <laughs> right right yeah uh, yeah uh fascist governments rarely offer that uh as part of their... <laughs> i highly doubt they were offering it yeah. <laughs> as part of their contract uh so yeah those people's story i mean luke there's our there's our main hero guy you know joseph campbell stages the hero uh but the but the independent contractor fixing the death star that he's about to blow up that guy's story is just as interesting to me if not more yeah well it's like i really i wanted to watch it and it was off the air so soon i lost it daniel
<laughs> Can you hear me now? Hey. <laughs> that was so weird. <laughs> <laughs> it happens, and it, and it was uh, fortuitous because, oh, hold on. Okay. It was fortuitous because I was able to look up that book, that book series. So I was thinking it was in the 90s. Get this. It was late 70s. Um, <clears throat> uh, uh, let's see. It was called Thieves World. Um, and it was Robert Lynn Asprin, who in the 80s was one of my favorite authors. He was writing a series of uh, books with all with myth in the title. Oh, okay. Myth, myth Inc. Link. Uh, they all had like puns. Myth Inc. Link being, I think, the first one. Um uh, anyway, he and uh, a few other authors um, uh, got together oh, yeah. at a writing convention. Yeah, and they decided, you know what? Let's just create a, share, a shared world anthology, and we'll each write stories in it. And so, anyway, it was called Thieves oh, World. It's cool. Uh, it's been about thirty years since I was reading those, so that's why it didn't come right back to me. But uh, anyway, good stuff. I was gonna say the so the first one actually. It's funny that you found that because the first well, the one I'm looking at. Um, yeah, by Ace Books. That's actually the one I've been trying to track down. Um, the first publication one. Um, I had a friend that was like, "Hey, you need to come to this like you know like Comic Con right now." And I'm like, "Okay." I'm like, "I can't get there." Like, I had an interview. I had to pick up my buddy. My wife needed a ride, and I was like, "I can't get there." And he was like, "Oh, he's like, but." Thieves World first publications like sitting right here, <laughs> and I kid you not, we went in like, I mean, I we, we we went so fast. I mean, it was maybe like maybe 30, 35 minutes later, where I mean, I like dropped my wife off, I picked up my friend, got up there, got in. I mean, and I got up to the booth and it was gone. And then this guy just had the coolest stuff. He had um, a bunch of the original like Savage Swords of Conan, like the bigger you know, um, comics. And I was like, oh, okay. I was like, well, I'm just gonna, like, we had just gotten there and I tried to just go around once. I'm like, who's got like, you know, 12 of them. So right. we did a lap. I'm kidding you now. Five minutes later, all of them were gone. <laughs> so I was just like, it was a rough day for me between losing <laughs> Thieves World and like 12 Savage. I just wanted one Savage Sword of Coney. I was going to like frame it. <laughs> Because Robert E. Howard's like my all-time favorite. But yeah, that's super cool. I'll have to check that. Yeah, I'm trying to remember now which podcast. I, I just was listening to somebody where they were talking about that. And now it's going to bug me. <laughs> but yeah, that's definitely the the cover that they showed. So it was definitely, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah. I just thought that it just sounded like a cool idea. It's like uh, my friend, um, when we were discussing that, he was like, yeah, it's kind of like what all the Marvel people do with Star Wars, with the Mandalorian, you know, like, Oh yeah, someone's always going to come in direct this week, and he's like, "That's just like a bunch of friends, you know, who are just like, yeah, yeah let's all just do Star Wars together." I mean, that's got to just be like, <laughs> to me, that's like the like the ultimate, you know, like that's like exactly what I want to do one day with like my own fantasy role. I just want to be like, "Come on, Ash, like we're going to go and co-write this," or "Hey, I got this character in mind," or maybe you came up with it, be like, "Yeah, here you go, go nuts!" Like, here's the notes, yeah. you know, like. I, I just think that like sounds like I love the old school Forgotten Realms, Dragonlance worlds, you know, um, Ravenloft, you know, stuff like yep. that. So I just when, when I think it just sounds it would really show up, it would show up somewhere. Yeah, you'd be yeah. so thrilled. Yeah, I, and well, that's really what comic books are. Also, you know, that each of these individual creators, you know, sharing a world and kind of uh, borrowing from each other and, and reacting to each other. You know, yeah, it's yeah. pretty dynamic. Yeah, no, I never considered that with comic books. I, I'm like been really lost in TikTok lately because there's just so many. I, I there was like one Batman comic where 
it's not current it's like 10 years old so no one's gonna like freak out i don't think but we're like <laughs> alfred dies and then batman's like really struggling and oh my gosh like the writing in it like i was like oh this kind of sounds dumb he's one of my favorite like comic book characters like alfred so i was like oh that sounds dumb but that was like oh like this it really hit me you know and like i almost yeah. cried today listening to this guy read the TikTok <laughs> comic you know and then superman there was one where you know he was dealing there was like two and i was just like wow it was like i was like that's what i just want to do one time you know as a writer is like i just want someone to be like oh like like r.a salvatore bob made me cry at gone Hiram. And then yeah. the Ghost King before that, like yeah. my wife was like, are you OK? <laughs> and I like read them back to back weeks. And yeah. she, she's like, you like, are not a crier. <laughs> you know, she was like, she's like, and you're just crying at these books. I was like, I just I was like, I just can't. I had to take the next day off. Like I <laughs> like he did stuff with certain characters I had grown up with. And I was just like, I was not prepared for it, you know, and he'll, he'll, he actually said that a while back on Twitter. He's like. What book of mine made you cry? I was like, Ghost King and Gone Hedrum, you a-hole. <laughs> and he was like laughing. I was like, you jerk, whatever. And he's like laughing. He was like, really? I was like, how could I not, you know? But that's I'm a like, really good sign. Like if you're invested yeah. that much, you yeah, know, that yeah. means that, you, you know, the, the, it's working. It's working for him. Yeah. It's working for you. Yeah. I, I just want one was... person to call me a jerk because of, you know, something I did to a character or... <laughs> Just tell, or you know, like somebody had a, a tattoo of something the day of a cool quote, and um, I still think you know, with Frank Herbert, with "Fear is the mind killer," has got to be one of the coolest, shortest phrases you know of all time. I mean, right. I say that I say that all the time. My students are so tired of me saying that. They're not even, <laughs> for the most part, you know, sci-fi fans. But I'll just be like, they'll do something True. like, yeah, like my volleyball players. Like they're not a lot of. There's like two that are into sci-fi and fantasy, and the other like thirteen aren't. <laughs> but you know. Though someone did something the day, I was like, "Here's the man killer." They're like, "Oh my god!" Like, they're like, "Pick a different movie." <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, this is gonna show my age. If, if mentioning Thieves World didn't show my age, this is gonna do it. But I remember uh, when, and sorry for the spoilers, when Roy Fulker died in the first season of Robotech. Mm. Uh, I was laying on the floor, and I and I honestly think like it may have been my first experience with depression, like realizing mm. what it meant to be depressed. Because this this sorrow descended on me, and I was like, I don't know what I'm feeling. This is so horrible. <laughs> and it turned out, you know, I was just so sad that this character had died. Oh, yeah. I was a kid, you know. I was riding my bike around uh, uh, the mean streets of Irvine, you know, California, <laughs> and uh, uh, here was like this real significant tragedy uh, in my mind, you know, because I was so invested in those worlds and yeah. I cared so much about those characters. I mean, their family, uh, yeah. their family us you know like not as important as our real family but a nice substitute yeah, yeah. well like um i mean a, one from my childhood's like optimus prime i mean when optimus i was just like <laughs> you know and my uncle was like i don't think they? we should have watched this <laughs> <laughs> and then you know recently you know like recently um you know like with chadwick boseman like i just loved him as an actor and a person before he was black panther and then it's like him and um why am I blanking? I was just reading about him again today. Um, oh, the actor who's playing Daredevil. I can't believe I'm blanking on his name now. I was just talking about him earlier. Um, but I love I just love both of them. I just think that they are the epitome of the comics, you know. Oscar did an amazing job as Moon Knight. Like those are three of my favorite of all time, yeah. you know, and I just thought they did such a great job and to feel gypped you know, on uh, not just the, you know, not just like the movie, but just like 
there were so many cool things that Chadwick did, you know, and uh, right. I said to my buddy, I was like, I saw that trailer and I, like for the second movie and I was just like, bring Kleenex, like a lot of them, <laughs> like we're already going to stock up, you know, and we got, we're about to order shirts tonight. Um, everybody's doing like the white with the gold and everything. Uh, but I told him, I was like, I've never been more ready for a sequel, but I've also never been dreading a, a movie more in my entire life. But, yeah. you know, I was just like, oh, it's a, you know, too, I don't know how they're going to capture, you know, all of the emotion, but I'm sure they'll do a really good job. But yeah, yeah. to, to move somebody to anger or for love or sadness that much, I think it's just like, like, yeah. that's why you write, right? Like, yeah. I was always jealous of Luke, Han, Leia, Lando, Chewie, and them, you know, and Mara. Like, it just seemed like they always had the, you know, it didn't matter who got taken where, you know, like they were all down to brawl for them to get them back, you know. And I was like, I, I my, my friend made a T-shirt of all of them and right. said the real ride or die crew. And, <laughs> and it was like on the Falcon or whatever, uh, like in the background, like that's where they were all sitting around or whatever. And I was like, it was super, super cool. But so yeah. when, when Luke gets frozen in carbonite, I'm watching it in the theater, right? <laughs> and uh, and or I'm sorry, not Luke Han. Excuse me, excuse me. Han's my favorite character, right? He gets frozen in carbonite, and uh, movie ends. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, Dad, how you know when is the next one coming? Like, how long are we gonna have to wait for this? And he goes, Ah, oh, it takes him like two or three years. You know, at the time I'm like ten. So two or three yeah. years is thirty percent of my life, and I'm like two or three years. Yeah, <laughs> but it's a gift to be impacted like that because you know you can you can really love the stuff. You know, it's yeah, it's really you know like your experience going to see Black Panther is a gift because you can cycle through all of these heavy emotions and you can yeah. feel them and you can you know you can get them out and. Uh, and that's really meaningful and incredibly yeah. important. And and here is this like kids comic book supposedly uh, doing it, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, no, that's true. And uh, you're finding you know the real world in there in a really powerful way. Yeah, well, it's like Avengers Endgame with certain people. And my buddy and I both turned. I'm like, okay. He's like, are you okay? <laughs> and my wife, our wives were like laughing after because they're like, here are these you know coaches these. <laughs> You know, guys that work out all the time, whatever, you know, like I got my martial artist, he's an ex D1 track star, you know, and they're, they're, I was like, I don't know why we can't just show emotion. I was like, real men cry when that scene happened. I go, if you did not cry, then you're not a real man, you know, and my buddy was like, yeah, exactly. And he's like, come on, let's go. So we like left that night or everyone saw the movie. But yeah, I just, I think to, to be able to do that, like something happened in a book I was reading the other day and I was just like, whoa. And I had to like take a minute, you know, and yep. I was just, I was so angry and I was like, wow, kudos. I actually, I emailed the author. I was like, Hey, I got really upset at this. <laughs> I was like, I'm glad I didn't see you in person that day. Uh, and they were like, Oh, that's so cool. I was like, I'm glad you think so. So <laughs> yeah, that's, that's super cool. That's awesome. Cool. Uh, this has like been like a new one that I've been asking people. And I have to say, I was not expecting the answers that I've gotten. So I'm really <laughs> curious, like any of them. So I'm really curious to see what your answer is. Uh, what is one writing tool or strategy that you would want to try in the near future? Now that could be like anything that you're itching to try. Uh, I don't want to give any answers away, but after you give me yours, I'll, I'll say what a couple people said. And it's really made me think at yeah. what I consider a tool or strategy that I haven't maybe considered before. So what's just like one thing that you're like, oh, that sounds really cool. I might want to try that 
you know, in the future with maybe book two or three or even sure. a different series down the road? Uh, you know, I, I, I sort of mentioned it earlier uh, when I was reading The Last Wish, the episodic nature of mm. each of the um, series, you know, part of the reason that I love Magic the Gathering so much is because I have kids and I have a family and I have a, um, you know, career and I write and do podcasts and things. <laughs> and so uh, I don't have as much time to uh, fall into mm. the worlds of, yeah. you know, like, like I'm getting my daughter to play Mass Effect because I don't have the time to play it again. Mm. Uh, and I want to experience it, you know, through her excitement. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Magic the Gathering is really nice because you play for about six minutes and then, you know, somebody tells you to do the dishes and you, you know, you can get up and do the dishes and then come back and play another one. And so the busy nature of my life has led directly into uh, the notion of episodic um, or, or I guess you could even call them short story yeah, um, yeah. Uh, adventures. And I would really, I think it would be really fun if my book does take off to release um, smaller chapters, uh, standalone stories. That'd be know, cool. Uh, on digital platforms. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for people just to enjoy, um, uh, you know, that they could read in 10 minutes and and have this experience and then go back to their busy lives, you know, yeah, and, then, yeah. and then come back when they have a chance to eke out a, another 10 minutes to for another adventure. Um, and so I would say, yeah, I, I love the long form of novels. It's my favorite. It's it creates the most payoffs and so on. But I am excited by the notion of of really rich short stories that exist within pre-established worlds um, uh, that you can just visit for a short time, get your fix, and then and then go back to something else. I feel like your 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 world in particular, you know, with the municipal jobs too. I feel like is like perfect for those types of episodic stories. That's why with my binding crows, like, Oh, it'd be cool to just be like 10,000 words, you know, episodics or whatever, and insert yeah. a little adventure here, you know, like they're sitting around drinking talking about, you know, Oh yeah, well we did this crazy thing or this happened to us. Like, I just, you know, I yeah. think that that's perfect for you. Yeah. Yeah. It would work well because jobs, you know, they don't all take a long time. Sometimes yeah. they're pretty quick. Yeah. 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 So. yeah. Oh, yeah, that'd be really cool. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> I didn't think you were gonna say that. That's actually really, really good. Like I've had, <laughs> I've just had so many people say different things, and like somebody was like, "Oh, I, I want to go to like a writing retreat." And I was like, "Dang, like one that's structured." And I was like, "That sounds really cool." And then I had somebody else that was like, "Oh, I want to try, you know, to, um, oh, like they wanted to." write oh they wanted to write like from a different pov and you know like a lot of fantasies written from you know like third person perspective and uh they wanted to try a different narrative style a lot like you know like bob does Ari salvatore does um and uh, they're like yeah i want to get better at that i'm like oh that's really good so uh, nobody's given me like even remotely the same answer and <laughs> yeah. it keeps making me thinking like oh that's a really good one <laughs> yeah so i definitely understand what you're saying i think that that'd be that sounds like it'd be perfect for for your world so and your characters that'd be really cool i would totally read that because you could do like a bunch of them right like just throw them in that's kind of why i'm doing the prequel novellas the way i am because i'm like oh i could do three prequel novellas and then eventually put them in the same one so people that do want to read a book can read and it goes it's a three act so it goes one right into the other but yeah. i would totally read that you know because you could read like you know one digitally or whatever or if you put them all together you know like i would totally be like oh i'm gonna go read ash's first one here and then you know, right. get through them that way. Yeah. That's yeah. When, a when, good idea. when Geralt's out there, you know, in the Witcher, when Geralt's out there in the haunted forest, like 
you already know the character. It's all, it's yep. a fable, so you're already actually familiar. You know when he's going to yeah, run yeah. into the, he's going to run into the Beauty and the Beast story. You're like yep. familiar with that. The the story is already carrying so much um, sort of external stuff yeah, with yeah. it that you don't actually need that. You don't need to introduce it. You don't need to you know establish it. Uh, the re- reader's totally on board. Yeah, and all they have to do is take this like short, exciting journey uh, with the main character as they're you know slaying the beast. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the short stories I think within established worlds are are a pretty neat concept, and they're not um, explored that much. And they can be now with with digital distribution because yeah, you know, can develop us a lot easier. Yeah, yeah. It's not like I you know you have to go through all these uh, hoops to to get it all published. Um, uh, it's pretty simple, and so yeah. uh, uh, shorter stories can exist. I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I think we're being set up uh that's why i have like a couple of things i want to do where i'm like oh that just sounds cool i'm like well i don't want to make it into a novella because there's i'm like i don't think that there's a lot there but i'm like oh kindle would be cool for some things so yeah Yeah. i'm definitely fixing a couple of things to to go on there i'm interested i saw some interesting sales numbers from some people (laughs) so i was like interesting you know something that takes me yeah something that (laughs) takes me an afternoon and they do say though like if you're going to be doing kindle bell i just want to mention this for the audience that like for people that are thinking about it, that you should do more of an episodic nature. Um, but for you, I feel like that'd be cool because you'd already have, like, it'd be perfect for you because you already have your, you know, your, your book out and everything. And, you know, I think that, you know, you get people when you're waiting, right. You can just be like, Oh, I had this idea. It took you an afternoon, bam. And you could just keep going, you know, and yeah, it's just, yeah. Going from job. Your, I feel like yours is set up perfectly going from job to job, right. Where they don't really have to, you know, match or make sense if you don't want them to, it's just a fun little yeah work you know everybody loves work stories too you know and <laughs> i feel like i feel like that's perfect and people can relate to that you know and yeah right. i think that's really cool especially people that want sci-fi i think it's hard to to do episodic military sci-fi for instance like maybe i'm wrong that just seems to be one where it's like you have to have a very overarching story whereas you i think could just go and be like oh boom here's this here's this that's why i would like my minuscule uh, minuscule mining crew i was like oh it'd be cool just to like for the first few, just have it be like Harry Dresden's doing kind of random cases. And then maybe some right. of the other ones lead to, you know, something like more of an arch or, you know, something like right. that. But yeah, my agent keeps saying to me, like, you don't need to make a huge story on top of this. Like, let the characters do their job. Yeah. And, uh, and we enjoy that, you know, like, if yeah. they don't have to save the universe also. And, yeah. uh, you know, I'm st- slowly starting to, uh, to hide that impulse, you know, because Again, we we're the product of our own influences, and most of the yeah. stuff I read, the characters are yeah. saving the universe. You know? Yeah, yeah, and uh, um, so for this kind of uh, genre, this subgenre, um, they don't have to, and it creates a lot of neat short story opportunities too. Yeah, That's super cool. Yeah, uh, what's one thing that you want to accomplish when you look back? Like you want to have accomplished when you look back at your writing career. Like what's one thing where you're like, oh, that's the thing that definitely I need to make happen in order to consider it like a writing career. For me, it'd be like someone doing a graphic novel. I, you know, of my work, I just think that that would just be so cool, especially going back to my art roots. I always wanted to, you know, do a graphic novel. And I just think that that'd be really cool. So I was just curious what yours would be. It's funny. I, I, um, invested a lot of time writing comic book scripts as not an, as not an artist, um, it, it, the industry is much harder, you know, because you you essentially have to get somebody to 
you know, you write the fleets engage and then you have to get somebody to spend, you know, three days drawing, you know, space combat, uh, yeah. the three words that you had to write. So it, it's hard to deny the notion that writing is a little bit easier or at least less time consuming in, uh, com- in the comic book world. But that actually holds the writers back because if you can't draw, you've got to convince somebody else to do the drawing for yeah. you. That was, that's sort of been, that's a nice answer for me too. I will say, um, uh, I'm not a, like, I don't really like fame. I don't really like the spotlight at all. You know, I'm really uh, naturally kind of a quiet person. And that's part of why I've been drawn to books my whole life. Um, <laughs> it's because, you know, this is an, a time to be quiet and introspective and, and, you know, dive into this world that's rich, but, but also sort of person, very personal. Um, and, uh, and so, this notion of fame is not something I, I have any interest in. I, I write almost exclusively as a gift to sort of to the, to thank the, the collective, the artistic collective that created so many neat stories for me. You know, mm-hmm. like I had so many of those experiences that I loved and cared about. And, you know, when Roy Porker died, I was laying on the floor and like, let's give a little bit back. Um, uh, and, and hopefully somebody else will read it and experience it and have a, a great joy for it. And, yeah. build on it and adapt it you know and and it'll be part of their conscious um and so that really is my goal um and and when i when this first book was signed and published or it'll be published september 6th when it's coming out in a way i had this like great relief wash over me like i did it um and so that is ultimately my goal uh, ethereally now practically it's ironic, but I'd love to not have to go to work on Monday. I'd love mm, to stay home. Yeah, it'd be great. And, and only write stories. <laughs> That's my main goal. <laughs> I don't so even care I was, if I make more than I do now. If I could just stay home and do it. And yep. yeah, like I, yep. I definitely understand that. I would say that's the main answer. Like if I could be a full-time writer, that would be amazing. Yeah. No, I totally understand that. I you you actually mentioned something that I didn't think before though, like legacy would be a cool one like i absolutely love like elaine cunningham r.a salvatore paul s kemp um like i would say those are three of the five authors that made me want to write you know and i think it would be really really cool to have someone come up to me one day and be like yeah i read this book of yours and that's why i started writing my story like you know it's, it's more intrinsic right but I think that would be really cool. So you, I didn't realize that until you said, you know, that, and that actually sounds more cool to me than a graphic novel. So that's actually, that's actually what I, and another one that I mentioned is Kevin Hearn, right? Where up in, where he lives now in Canada, his library actually has like a whole shelf dedicated to him at the library. So I was teasing him one day. I was like, I need that now. I was like, my library needs a shelf, a Daniel Kubal shelf. <laughs> I, I use the local independent bookstore because um, I buy all my I, I try not to buy from Barnes and Noble no offense to anybody I will buy your book from this independent store she can order more things than they can um, and then it's a little cheaper so I can buy more books of you know people I know and have interviewed yeah. and friends with but it's nice because I always tease about I'm like all right Laura make sure you're starting to save some room for me and I was like I'm gonna like <laughs> rapid release and I'm gonna need my whole shelf to myself you know <laughs> yeah I, I've been getting I've been getting acrylic uh, uh, versions, like sort of tall-ish versions of my cover. Oh, that's uh, I, cool. I, yeah, and uh, and I've got it up on my bookshelf right over there. And it, it, every time I look at it, I'm just filled with like 
happiness, you know? Oh yeah. yeah. And, uh, um, I've actually got, uh, another book on the way the, the same company, cam cat books that bought my intergalactic exterminators. Um, uh, I, I mentioned it before I wrote a mystery novel, which mm. I sold, or, which I found an agent for, but was not able to find a publisher. Um, it was about sort of the, um, questionable nature of the news you know how, how mm. news was, oh yeah yep. yeah how news is becoming you know more and more sort of unreliable uh as a as a source of facts and truth um and uh so when i originally wrote it in 2016 it just kept getting more true <laughs> and, so, and so uh i submitted it to uh the publisher and they agreed to publish it so that one's coming out in summer 2023. It's going to be really interesting to be a multi-genre oh, cool. author, you know, sci-fi. Yeah, and yeah. History. But um, anyway, I say all of that because they were sending me the cover proofs and I was looking at them and I was thinking to myself, now what's going to look best on my mantle next to, <laughs> <laughs> next to the other. Like, awesome. I'm really glad they put the author name in the same yeah. spot. You know, like I want some synchronicity. Oh, uh, cool. and so, yeah, I, I, a little bit of the, you know, we're collectors, right? That's why you have all that Superman stuff, it's true. Uh, all it's my true. gathering cards, uh, uh, having your own book covers is another sort of really exciting. Yeah. Let's say Michael R. Fletcher, like Rob J. Hayes and Dirk Ashton, um, Rob or Mike especially has all of his covers and he gets a really nice, like painted print of them, frames them. And they just look amazing leading up to his office. Uh, so I told him, I was like, well, I need to do that now. So I told my <laughs> wife, I was like, sorry, every time that I, you know, publish a book now and get the cover done, I was like, that's what's going to happen. And that's actually one thing I'm really excited to do because we, in our house now, like I go down into my basement and then I go over and there's my work area. Um, and I was like, oh, it's cool because I can actually just do them all the way down to the basement and along the wall and to my desk. Uh, and I just think that that's going to be super cool one of these days, you know, like next year to be able to go and oh, there's five book covers right there. Uh, right. Yeah, so that's, yep. yeah, that's another one. Now you got me thinking all these, these different <laughs> things, <laughs> but I think it's good though. I mentioned with the author the other day, um, um, I'm totally blanking on her pen name right now. It's like the second time, but um, I keep almost want to say her name. Um, until that baby's born i know it's right gonna be even worse. Yep. <laughs> well that's why youtube has editing now thank goodness but uh yeah but you know we just we're, we're discussing that and i was just she said a couple of things i was like i never realized that that's what i wanted you know and i just we were then i had mentioned i asked her about goals and she was like just got done with her first book she's like oh i she's like i haven't considered what my you know long-term goals are she's like my goal is just to get this book done and I'm yeah. like, I totally get that, you know, I'm like, but I do as a coach and a teacher, I just think that goals are, you know, are super important. So it's interesting with how many different authors I've asked this question to over the last, like, you know, several re uh, several weeks is you got to be like the 14th author I've asked. And it's interesting that everybody has said something different. Um, so it's just interesting for me, you know, especially as a writer, you know, when you're writing different people's motivations, you know, to actually see what authors, you know, different motivations are. So yeah, to me, absolutely. and I think it's important too, for people, because this is, I always call this a journeyman's podcast. Um, you know, I have most people that are listening to this are, are other authors or somebody who like me is about to publish their first book and is probably done with the first draft or two, you know, things like that, um, you know, and really wants to be in the thick of it, but not too far down the road where they don't know what you're talking about. Cause I've listened to some marketing ones where I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> And I'm like, that's clearly above my level, you know. Sure. But yeah, it's interesting to uh, I think to hear authors who have published books 
you know, who still have, have other goals, you know, cause I think what, you know, like we talked about earlier, it's very addicting. So, yeah. <laughs> but that's so cool. Congrats though. That's so cool. Like that's one that's on my list being a multi-genre author. So I'm yeah. already very jealous of you. So <laughs> that's really cool. <laughs> that is awesome. Well, we definitely have to have you back too, um, you know, for, for that book too. Um, I, I think mystery is one that I really like mystery within fantasy and sci-fi and like horror. And, you know, people ask me all the time, like, why do you interview historical fiction authors? And I'm like, well, it's a different type of story. And I said, you know, as somebody that likes to write historical urban fantasy, for, you know, for instance, I'm like, mystery is one that I am trying to study because I want to start to do, you know, bring that more into my writing. So I, right. I've been looking for mystery authors to bring on to, you know, just to, you know, discuss those types of things and, yeah. you know, so. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Really I, cool. I, in, uh, in the Exterminators book, there's a robot um, that learns to read uh, sort of by accident. And he's, uh, it, it sounds silly, but it, it's uh, a, a good part of the story. Um, he learns to read and he starts uh, picking up uh, all sorts of different novels. And, mm -hmm. you know, he's a big fan of Harry Potter. And, and, and you see it sort of, it sort of gives him a humanity that he didn't have before mm. because he's, you know, That's experiencing cool. all these things. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the nice thing about it is it also allows me to create this kind of postmodern uh, structure where um, if I want to write a mystery novel, uh, all I have to do is get that robot to start reading mystery novels. <laughs> Ooh, that's true. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden, you know, like uh, uh, he's going to start seeing the world in a different way because yeah. it's kind of set up for this for this specific genre. Oh, it, I, it grew up. Um, it's the genre very close to my heart. I grew up, you know, reading John D. McDonald and Robert mm. B. Parker and, uh, mm. um, you know, the Fletch series, Gregory McDonald and uh, um, Ed McBain and just all these guys. And that stuff, uh, you know, was a big part of my uh, literary education. And so it's hard for me not to have dead bodies sort of show up. Yeah. <laughs> no matter what genre it is and, uh, yeah. and the mystery of, of, you know, how they got there. Yeah. What's well, just interesting because there's just so many stories where I'm like, oh, I really want to write that. And I'm like, I'm like, no, I'm like, that's more of a, I go, it's a, it's a fantasy story, but it's disguised because it's really a mystery. And I just right. know that I'm not ready to write it. And I don't want it to be a straight fantasy story. I'm like, I want it to be a mystery story that's clothed in fantasy. And then, you know, and there's a couple of things like that for, you know, for that I also want to do for sci-fi. I got this um, municipal cop type you know, detective that I really want to, I want to old school Clint Eastwood, right. Or quickly down under, I want to bring him from, you know, the country to the big city, you know, right. and um, see how he does, you know, and <laughs> kind of do so, that whole thing. So the best mystery novels are ones that occur within unusual milieus. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you can, if you've got a, a soldier in Afghanistan investigating a murder in a, in a, uh, you know, a small town in Afghanistan, like you, you know, you've got the language barrier, you've got yeah. the cultural barrier, you've got all this stuff uh, sort of standing in his way. It becomes way more dynamic because yeah. you, all you did was you moved locations. You, know, yeah, you just yeah. moved, you just moved milieu, and it created sort of endless um, drama and story. Yeah, and um, sci-fi, uh, uh, fantasy, um, uh, urban fantasy, they're all versions of this. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, let's, no, just put true, our yeah. let's just put our detective in a in an urban fantasy like Jim Butcher, and and uh, it's going to take the mystery structure and it's going to make it seem totally fresh at yeah, the same yeah. time as 
comforting and familiar and lovely and wonderful you know yeah, so yeah. uh that's a really nice trick yeah oh man yeah i'm, I'm gonna have to think about that because you <laughs> you put that in a different way than what i considered before um, when it comes to like the dresden series so i'm gonna have to yeah, I'm yeah have to think about that's, that it's totally that's, true that's <laughs> i didn't ever thought very, about it two very familiar genres yeah. uh and and the fact that they can play off <laughs> each other like that makes them both seem fresh and it's really yeah. fun to read yeah yeah yeah, that's super cool. Yeah. Uh, with that last one there, Ash, uh, do you have any news, updates, promos, current projects, anything like that uh, sure. that you'd like to share with us before we head out? Sure, sure. Um, so uh, like I said, I've got the mystery novel coming out in 2023, but it'll be a little while before that um, hits its stride. Uh, my novel, uh, Intergalactic Exterminators, is coming out September 6th, so that's coming up. Um, it's coming out in uh, a hardback, uh, soft cover, and um, audiobook. And oh, you know awesome. you were talking, yeah, you were talking about the experience of having someone draw your words, yeah. um, and that's been a fantasy of mine too. And in a way, um, the audiobook was kind of a version of that. You know, re- hearing hearing someone read my work was thrilling. You know, uh, it was it was a little. It, it also taught me something because um, I all of a sudden was uh, realizing that stuff that I was reading aloud in my head a certain way, other people were going to read it differently. Um, but at the same time, uh, it's so much fun when someone else's artistry sort of um, emphasizes and, and amplifies your artistry. Yeah. Uh, and so the audiobook is uh, something I really recommend. It's it's very fun. It, it, it'll be on Audible and, and everywhere else. The, the book's available um, everywhere. Walmart, uh, 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 Barnes & Noble, Amazon. Uh, I have to agree with your sentiment, uh, Daniel. If you can get it, well, the most important thing is you buy it. Second most important thing is sure. try, try and buy it from an independent bookseller because uh, that's uh, that's the most important thing. There's a uh, kind of a famous bookstore in San Diego where I live called The Mysterious Galaxy. Oh, uh, yeah. Actually, yeah, I actually put, you know, my robot that learns to read. Uh, he does it in a bookstore called The Mysterious Universe. Um, oh, that's cool. And it was just my little sort of homage nod to uh, independent booksellers and and what they're trying to do and how they're trying to stay alive. Um, and uh, I, I think we should do our best to, to help them. So Yeah. yeah well, I just get so, get so spoiled because I, you know, have so many friends that are authors and it's nice because we have two, we have one in my town and we have one um, in my mother-in-law's town. And it's nice that they're both independent bookstores that can get, you know, just about anybody for me, you know? So it's just, yeah. it's a nice little twofer, you know, I feel like I'm, keeping money local but also paying my friends for their work at the same time <laughs> so i'm like very lucky in that rep you know in that respect but yeah 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 that's uh, uh that's what i would say is uh, do your best to find it you know head down to the mysterious uh galaxy and buy a book about the mysterious that's a universe. great bookstore i actually drew i i rode a bike which I thought was going to be like a 15 minute trip to the, <laughs> there from the beach and end up being like 48 minutes in like, you know, 98 degree weather <laughs> raining on the way back. I mean, but super, super of, cool place. Yeah. A lot of stoplights here in San Diego. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then on the way back, my wife's like, what's taking you so long? I was like, I thought this was like a 15 minute trip. I must've been my, you know, my map set of a driving Oh, it's so irritated. But yeah, it was a really cool bookstore. So I highly recommend people. That's one that I can actually say I went to. And I'm actually really excited to go there in the future. That's yeah, that's super cool. Nice. Well, Ashley, really want to thank you for coming on and you know, again, being so flexible. It was uh, great to get to talk to you today before uh, my evening writing session. 
uh, kind of bumped everything back because I was like a little bit extra time tonight. Uh, he actually really helped me out with a lot of different things that I've been thinking about for a while. So it's always fun for me when, you know, those kind, kind of things line up, particularly with an interview. So, um, yeah. yeah, but I'm really excited for your book to come out. That to me is going to be really great inspiration for my mining crew. Um, <laughs> I'm just trying to, you know, I, I just love to see how somebody did something. It just always gives me like a really good idea. Um, I'm a person where like when I get in a room with somebody or, you know, on Zoom, all of a sudden I start chatting. It's like the ideas start to flow. And you just want to mention to some people that maybe that's your problem is that it's not you. It's that you need to, you know, find another writer or a writing group or just somebody, you know, a friend, you know, even on a Facebook group or something. And, you know, authors like you, Ash, have been so, you know, great about when I had a question or something. Uh, so I just do want to point out to the audience, you know, if you do have something that you want to ask an author, you know, uh, feel free to message them, message me if you're too afraid and, you know, I'll message them for you. Uh, everybody's just been absolutely awesome. So it's yeah. so nice to be surrounded by great people. So, but you know, if there's anything I can do, you know, for you, Ash, you know, um, you know, we'll obviously um, be moving uh, your episode around um, to match those dates. So I will be sending you an email later tonight. Um, that way we can definitely get, you know, within those timeframes, like we talked about earlier to help you out as much as possible. I uh, just want to remind people that you can find uh, Ash's book by this time that this comes out anywhere in the description per usual, his website will be at the top. Amazon will be right there. Any other places, you know, where his book can be found will be in that description as well. Please make sure you like and share or retweet or whatever the episode. That way more people uh, will be able to find Ash's books. That way we all get a lot more stories. Sound really awesome. So want to try and get them as money, you know, as many clicks and sales as possible. Please just don't forget, we've been really stressing with season two that when you are reading somebody's book, please make sure you review it. It takes you 30 seconds, but it'll help an author like Ash out where again, other people will see it and we'll all get a lot you know, more great stories out of him and the other authors. Uh, Ash, you know, I really, really appreciate you coming on. It was great chatting with you. Uh, I look forward to having you, you know, on the future, whether it's mystery, fantasy, whatever, if you want to just talk about writing, um, you know, you name the time and the place and we'll work something out and we'll get you back on as quickly as we can. Sounds good, Daniel. Yeah, it was a, a pure pleasure uh, having this chat with you. So I appreciate the time and the uh, chance to talk about uh, my influences and my loves and my books. So I really appreciate it. Anytime, my friend. Anytime you want to come back, you just let me know. <laughs> right. I hope you have a good rest of the day, my friend, and uh, enjoy your weekend. Sounds good. Have a good one. <laughs>